he will forever be my greatest inspiration and my greatest motivation. And I think it has really inspired me to look at my life path and always kind of have that in the back of my mind of like, okay, life is short. We only get one kick at the can. How am I going to handle this situation? Or how am I going to make this decision? And using that as my like constant life lesson to just keep it in the back of my mind. It's like a little voice or sitting on my shoulder, a little like parrot of inspiration. At the end of July, I sat down remotely, of course, with Ali Aruda. This year has been a big one for Ali for many reasons, but has also been a big year for reflection as she turns 34 because Ali's brother died when he was 34. And this year, she and her family also celebrated what would have been her brother's 50th birthday. Welcome to The Safe Haven, a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life. From fashion school to working for MTV and then getting married and buying a gym, Ali's life has had some real curves, ups and downs. A lot of her entrepreneurial journey has been about learning to balance both expectations of herself and those of others. Ali has worked through life's challenges with a different perspective, having lost her brother. But she's also learned so much about life and grief and grieving through some things that her dad shared on an Instagram Live when they were celebrating Garrett's 50th birthday. Hearing some of the deep thinking that her dad has done over the years and how he shared it in a really thoughtful way has deepened Ali's appreciation for the circle of life and everything that we experience in it. I start by asking Allie to tell me a little bit about her earlier years. So I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, born and raised, and I lived there until I was 18. And then I moved to Toronto to go to university, but I was an only child to my mom and dad. So my dad was actually married previously, had a whole other life before he met my mom, and then they got married and had me. So before he met my mom, he was married before and had two children, um, a daughter, Pam, and a son, Garrett. They were, like, once I was born, they were much older. So he had those two children. That marriage didn't work out. Met my mom and started their life together. And a few years into their marriage, my mom got pregnant with me. So I always will tell people that I, like, I am an only child. But at the same time, the long story is that I had these other siblings. And growing up, I was like, the cute younger sister because I was such a probably like a bit of a novelty because I was so much younger than my brother and sister and at this point like they had their own lives and didn't even live like my sister did not even live in Winnipeg my brother did however he lived with my parents when I was born but then as I grew up I was just an only with my parents but I was really close with my brother and his name was Garrett I think I mentioned that already super cool guy, total babe, which I actually remember in grade four, I said that in class. I don't know if it was like health class or something where I talked about how I had this like really good looking older brother. And I remember this one girl, I won't say her name just in case you never know if she's listening. But uh, I mean, it's also grade four and however many years ago, but she said how that was like super gross, like calling my brother attractive or good looking, or I don't even know if I use the word hot, but anyways, he was a total babe and we were really close. Yeah. Grew up as an only that super involved in activities and good student, 
super driven, highly motivated. And in grade 12, I guess it was even grade 11 when you kind of do your university prep, I had my, my sights set on Ryerson University. And I really loved a lot of the programs that they had. It was super niche and specialty programs. So I had my heart set on moving from Winnipeg to Toronto and doing my university education there. My brother was living in Toronto at the time. I'll just backpedal and say that my parents were an airline family. So my mom was a flight mm. attendant. My dad was a pilot. Super cool. Super cool. And that's yeah. totally how they met as pilot and a flight attendant. They have a cute little romantic story, but I'll save that for another time. But ironically, it was something that kind of was in the family blood. My sister is a flight attendant still. That's what she's been doing for many, many years. And my brother was also a pilot. I was kind of the little black sheep that I went to Ryerson and I went to fashion school and I have like a whole, like very diverse career path otherwise. So I was the one that was not going after the aviation goals, I guess we could call it that. But the family was very much like Air Canada dedicated pilots, flight attendants, and then me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, I moved to Toronto and was super pumped to do that because my brother lived there and we were going to be 30 seconds door to door. I was living in residence for the first year. He had this like really sweet loft downtown Toronto, right around the corner from my campus and my residence. So was really excited for all that I had to look forward to in this new chapter of my life. But at the same time, a lot changed in that family dynamic. Okay. I'm picking up on a lot of was. Yes. Okay. So Garrett, bless his heart, rest in peace. Garrett was, is unfortunately no longer with us. We lost him and may he rest in peace and be at peace. We lost him in August, 2004. May I ask what happened? So Garrett suffered from bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. He was diagnosed in the year 2000 and mental illness was nothing that existed in our family. There was no history of it on my dad's side or his ex's side. Like it was just nowhere in our family. And it's something, ironically, we're having this conversation and last week was actually, or would have been my brother's 50th birthday. Mm. So we had a, a really wonderful celebration. My parents actually now live in Ontario, which is really exciting. That's like a a beautiful thing that has happened in 2020. My parents have moved from Winnipeg to Niagara and they live in wine country. So it was really nice to be able to celebrate all together and honor him for this big milestone. You know, 50 is a really big number. And it's crazy that this birthday milestone has totally hit home in a very different way because he was 34 when he died and I'm 34. Mm -hmm. And so I have so many thoughts running through my head in these last couple of weeks leading up to his birthday, on his birthday, after his birthday, his anniversary is coming up in August. And there's just, yeah, a lot running through my mind now that I look at where I am at in my life at 34, just trying to connect the dots and understand what he would have experience or what he was sort of going through at the time where he made the choice to take his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How has that trauma in your life 
change the trajectory of your decisions in your career or in your home life or in how you live your life. I mean, that's a lot to take on to lose a family member. So you're young when you lose someone like that. I mean, what were you, 16? 18. 18. Yeah. Okay. 18 and was so excited to live 30 seconds door to door and do all these things. And he wasn't married. He didn't have a family at that time. He was a ladies man. He was like a total babe magnet Mm -hmm. and was so excited to, you know, hit up the streets of Toronto with him, go out to dinner. And now I started dabbling in my like wine interests. So I was excited to Mm -hmm. just really hang out with him as friends beyond siblings and spend so much quality time together. And Mm -hmm. such a massive step for me. And with that being said, I had a ton of people ask after we lost him because that was the beginning of August. It was August 8th. May he rest in peace on his anniversary. It'll be 16 years this August. And two, three weeks later, I moved to Toronto. I packed up my life in Winnipeg. My parents moved me to Toronto and moved me into residence. And I had so many people ask me that, you know, are you still going to go? Are you still going to pursue this life in Toronto or your education? Are you going to wait a year? And I think with your question about the trajectory, I feel like that decision in that moment and dealing with that immediate trauma totally changed my life Mm -hmm. because I was on this path and very much of like a growth mindset where I was like, no, I have worked really freaking hard to get into this program. This is a life-changing trauma. Like I will never be able to deal with this for the rest of my life. I mean, it is a trauma, but at the same time, how I'm choosing to deal with it right now is going to make a monster of a difference of the decisions I make in my future, how I live my life. So no, I worked hard. If the rules were reversed, he was a driven person. He would go for it. He would continue on this path. So I kept going. I moved and don't get me wrong. That was a really tough year. It was emotional. It was overwhelming. A whole bunch of like new habits, new people to meet, new adventures. But at the same time, I think I also really kind of thrived because I have this traumatic experience on my shoulders, but still propelled forwards, if that Mm. kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. And when you're talking about even just kind of starting to connect some dots and kind of deep dive into connecting the dots around your own family and well-being and just mental health in general, was there anything that you learned that surprised you or kind of helped inform you moving forward in your own life to look after your own mental health personally? Totally. And I think it's, it is still a life lesson and it's still something that I think about and try to encourage myself to learn all the time. But losing Garrett has also, not only has it been the most traumatic life experience, but it has also been my greatest life lesson and greatest motivator to follow my heart, to try new things, to take on challenges head on because life isn't easy. Life is not easy. Life is unpredictable. You get curveballs thrown at you all the time but how you accept them and grow through them and use them as challenges, he will forever be my greatest inspiration and my greatest motivation. And I think it has really inspired me to look at my life path and always kind of have that in the back of my mind of like, okay, life is short. We only get one kick at the can. How am I going to handle this situation? Or how am I going to make this decision? And using that as my like constant life lesson to just keep it in the back of my mind. It's like a little voice 
or sitting on my shoulder, a little yeah. like parrot of inspiration. Mm-hmm. I have a question. I wanted to back up to the fashion school thing. Mm-hmm. So kind of like doing your own thing. You're like, nope, carving my own path here. Yeah. Fashion school. Did you continue in the fashion industry at all? Or was that just for school? What'd you end up doing with that? I did the four years and I loved it. It was Ryerson's fashion communications program. Massive shout out to this program. It was so, so great. You learned so many different things and really have the opportunity to dive into different pockets of the industry. And I think come out of there once you graduate with being so prepared with how you want to go into the industry and what you loved, what maybe wasn't a great fit for you. And I just feel like you come out of there super prepared of what you want to do. Mm. So I had this incredible opportunity to work for MTV Canada. Oh, cool. That was my first job out of university. And it was right at the peak of when The Hills was the hottest show on TV. Yeah. I was, it was so great. I was the wardrobe stylist. And first I started as a wardrobe assistant. Then I was a wardrobe stylist. And I got to work with all of the hosts for MTV Live, MTV's after show for The Hills. And then The Hills would bring in their special guests. So, you know, Lauren Conrad and Whitney Ports. And it was such a blast. I really, really loved that job. It was my first job out of university. And I have so many amazing memories of it. I bet. That's pretty big leagues at a university type job. It was the best. And I ultimately made the decision to leave sort of my like mid late 20s. There was a lot of corporate changes going on. Mm -hmm. And I kind of used that as my little nudge from the universe to sort of close up shop there and pursue something else. So I actually pivoted and I flipped the switch and I went into public relations. Hmm. So instead of being the media that would be pitched on new launches and products and services, I went on the other spectrum and I was the one doing the pitches. And I worked in a very boutique agency in downtown Toronto and worked mostly on fashion and lifestyle brands. Mm -hmm. But that was also a really great experience. Super neat. Okay, we have to do some fast forwarding now too, because you guys have a gym. We do. What a transition. I mean, when I'm looking at the dots of your career, I mean, to have a gym now, we, we've got to go there. Tell me all about that. So fitness was actually a big therapy for me when I was going through the grieving process and adjustment period of losing my brother. And I think also helping my mental health. And so Mm. it was my own personal story. I actually had a a very unhealthy relationship with the scale and an obsession with being thin in university. And I think maybe if I was looking at this from like a psychological perspective, maybe it was part of the grieving process too of how I was dealing with some feelings. But my personal journey was very much like an unhealthy, skinny mindset, not a great relationship with food or the scale. And eventually I found fitness and that was a super positive component of my life. And I really just sort of changed my mindset and wanted to be strong and healthy and fit. Started working out. Then eventually my big goal was to become a personal trainer. And it was something that I had always put on my priority list after my husband and I got married. So did that. And then once my husband and I were together, I feel like we have had these amazing opportunities just kind of knock on our door, whether it be finding our house earlier than we were kind of anticipating of buying a house. And then this gym, it was the gym that we were members of for five years when we bought our house in downtown Burlington, Ontario, and we had the opportunity to buy it. It wasn't a 
great fit for the previous owners anymore. And they really liked our involvement in the community. We were regular members. And we thought, you know, this is crazy. This was something we had on our like five-year goal list of having a gym or a studio because I was getting more and more serious about my profession as a trainer or just fitness professional. Then last June, we bought the gym. That's so neat. What's the gym called? It's called Benchmark. Benchmark Fitness Burlington. Starting a gym or taking it over and buying it and turning it into your own space must be so exciting. It is. It was. We we bought it. And then two months into owning it, we started some renovations. We really had big dreams and a big vision for it of just mm-hmm. enhancing it to be this beautiful boutique space that people would really love coming to. It's a boutique gym. So we have limited membership. So it's not sort of your big box style. Mm-hmm. And it's 24 hours. So you can come whenever you want. You have your own unique key fob to access it. So it's very safe and controlled. And we just wanted to create a beautiful space that people enjoyed being at. And it's in the heart of the downtown core in Burlington. We love it. We've got so many friends that own businesses around us. And it's just like a really good vibe. I mean, I know I'm really biased, but I love when people come in and they comment on how many plants we have or how bright it is. And it's just so nice to hear, I guess, that kind of positive reinforcement where you know you've worked really hard to create something and are consistently trying to level up and be better and offer the best experience that you can. Mm -hmm. But it is always nice when you have people appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. What's been your biggest challenge as an entrepreneur? Oh, that's a great question. I think right now, one of what feels like the biggest challenges is trying to manage people's expectations. Mm. I'm a sensitive individual. Mm. I am very in tune with my own emotions and I love personal development. I am such a junkie for personal development books and podcasts and trainings. So I'm constantly trying to be the best version of myself that I can. And I'm a big advocate for others wanting to do that as well. And I think trying to navigate that with also being the people pleaser that I was definitely as a younger version of myself and wanting to ensure that everyone is always happy and content. And now in a business entrepreneurship lifestyle and and a brick and mortar business, ensuring everyone is safe and happy and comfortable but just trying to navigate how they feel because, you know, you'll have some people that definitely tell you how they feel and others that maybe don't. And so it's just, it's the biggest thing that sits on my shoulders as an entrepreneur is trying to figure out what people think, what people want. Are they happy, content, and wanting to be able to fulfill that? Mm-hmm. It's a lot to take on, especially as the owner of a business that people are so opinionated. And I mean, people are going to love it. They are going to pick it apart. They're going to lead with fear and love. It's it's hard to say, I mean, what people could say or how it's going to affect them on a certain day as to how they're going to react or the feedback or the advice that they're going to spit out. Wow. Ugh. Yeah, I hear you with with the balancing people's expectations. That's That would weigh heavy. It does. Yeah. Oh, totally. So then that's made me wonder about how you balance your own mental health and well-being. Like how do you reset? It's a a constant learning process of Mm -hmm. what is feeling good for me. But it's funny, you know, I've talked about my family, but also how I kind of grew up as an only child, that I am so content in my own company. And I think as I've gotten older, I've really honored that. That is actually something that makes me feel good. I have an incredible 
husband and our partnership and we work so well as a team and I really love spending like all the time together. But I also recognize that when I am by myself, I'm really content and I really love reading, which is super funny because I never did as a child, Mm -hmm. but as an adult, I love tracking how many books I read in a year and I like to add like one or two more year after year. I'm a little bit competitive with myself in that way, but reading something positive makes me feel good. I have gotten back into journaling and really trying to stay in touch with my feelings, whether it's no feelings of anxiousness or stress or whatever my emotions might be surrounding something big in my life and just Mm -hmm. making sure that I'm really honest with myself and grounding myself in things that make me feel good. Mm -hmm. That's hard to do, to allow yourself to feel and be okay feeling and experience the gamut of emotions that we do as humans and honor them as they come up. Totally. And I think that so many of us could easily push those aside and not Mm -hmm. prioritize them that, oh my God, I just need to wash the floor or I really need to get this workout in. Or Mm -hmm. I told Amanda I'd meet her for a coffee. I don't want to let her down. That I think there is definitely a movement where people are becoming more aware of what Mm -hmm. makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing. You know, you want to do it with grace and not be hurtful in some of your actions or decisions. And there's definitely a way around that to communicate how you're feeling or what you need. But I think the fact that people can be so aware of what makes them feel good or doesn't make them feel good is important. And, you know, the world is a crazy place right now. And if there are things that make you feel the best version of yourself, that is so important to do and to make time for. And I know a lot of people will talk about a morning routine, also referred to as like a morning ritual, if it's meditation or a workout or maybe just having coffee in your backyard and listening to the birds chirping is so therapeutic. Mm -hmm. It's just the little things. I love that you just said that because I just finished writing down what does your perfect morning look like or what are any rituals that you have to balance? Oh, yeah. So Allie, what does the perfect morning look like? (laughs) It's funny. I was actually talking to my husband about this the other day and I have some mornings where I really love like getting up having my lemon water, a shot of espresso and hitting the gym early and like having your workout done by 7.30 just like energizes me. But at the same time, I love a good, what I like to call them mindful mornings where I will get up and I'll have a lemon water and then I'll make my coffee and I will take three things out to the backyard. I will take my journal, I will take my gratitude journal and I will take my personal development book. And I set a timer and I put my phone away And I will do my daily gratitude, then I'll journal for a bit, and then I'll read for a bit. And my timer might only be 20 minutes, it might be 30 minutes, it does sometimes depend on the day. 30 minutes would probably be perfect so I can kind of, you know, really enjoy my coffee and get through all three elements of my morning. I have my dogs with me and they are perfectly well behaved sitting on the couch in our backyard and the birds are chirping, the sun is shining. And just being outdoors, I mean, I know that doesn't work in Canada for every single month, but in a perfect morning, it is summertime with the sun shining and the birds chirping and it is so beautiful. Yeah, that sounds like heaven. I hear you. I also, when you were talking about books that you love reading and tracking how many books you're reading, what are you reading right now? Right now, I'm actually just finishing the book called Mindset. Uh And it was one that constantly popped up in different podcasts, even different books. And I'm reading that one right now because it was, I just felt like, okay, this is a hint from the universe. I really need to read this Mm. book. 
But the one I just finished was Marie Forleo's Everything is Figure Outable, and I loved it. I loved her voice. I loved her edginess and humor that she had in it. I think that Everything is Figure Outable philosophy was so fitting for the current times of the world. And I read it probably in like less than a week. It was so, so good. Mm, Nice one. I want to cycle back to something that you said pre-recording about a super important conversation that you had with your dad. Can you elaborate on that for us? Oh, yeah. My dad was a special guest on a recent IGTV episode we did. He's actually on my brother's 50th birthday. It's so interesting talking to my dad because A, he's a man and B, he's, he's lost his son. You know, this is not the circle of life. This is not typically how life goes. And it's a conversation that I like having with my dad a lot just to you know, kind of check in and see how he's doing. He's dealt with the loss of Garrett very differently. And he had this like amazing truth bomb and just so such an insightful message that he dropped last week. It was along the lines of, you know, when you lose someone in this case, my dad lost a son, I lost a sibling, you lose someone that you love, you lose them too soon. Until we release that feeling of loss and grief, the soul is restless. They are not at peace. Once we get to a point where we release that grief and we pivot into honoring them and celebrating them, then they can move on and live at peace. You know, whether it's in the afterlife, the universe, whatever the individual might believe in or feel, but essentially that soul that we've lost, they are living peacefully. And then we, as the loved ones left here, we continue to grow and evolve and celebrate them. And we had a blast celebrating Garrett's 50th birthday. You know, he loved oysters. We got oysters. We got nice champagne. We had a really great meal. We talked about him. I didn't even know he was valedictorian when he was in high Mm. school. And you just kind of learn new things and you honor and celebrate them. And I think that, you know, life is short and I've already said that it's unpredictable. And I think that if we live in fear and sadness for so long, that affects how we perform on a daily basis and annually. And life is so short. Let's just live beautifully and celebrate those that, you know, celebrate the small wins. Let's celebrate those people that we've lost and honor them however we can. Mm, That's beautiful, Allie. Thank you for sharing. Oh, my pleasure. And I don't I don't have credit for it. That was my dad's word. Yeah. So I'm just trying to reshare them. And go dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can really relate to just the surprise that would have come from his insights. If you don't have conversations like that, typically, or if that's not something that would usually come from him, because it just mm-hmm. proves that deep thinking, you know, that people are all working through their own things in their own time. And I think so many people, I know the mental health, stigma has been going on for so long. It's something that since we lost Garrett, I've been really open about. I will talk to people about how I feel. I feel like if we can break down those protective barriers and humanize people that are experiencing these Mm. different challenges with mental health, it's important to talk about now more than ever. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I love so much about this podcast is I feel like every week there's new insights that are just being shared and it's starting really crucial conversations and it's helping people feel less alone. And 
they're in a world where we're always surrounded by people. It's so damn easy to feel alone. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah. It's it's not difficult to just spread kindness or smile at people as you're walking down the sidewalk or, you know, commenting on how cute your dog is. Like you're walking your dog and I'm walking my dog and dogs are just wonderful things. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. let's just spread a little kindness and make somebody smile. It's really not difficult. It's so true. Allie, I have three safe haven style questions for you. Okay. Okay. What are you most proud of? I think I'm most proud of my personal growth through mm. a traumatic experience and coming out stronger. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be known for? I want to be known for inspiring others. Mm. Okay. I'm going to add a part B to that. <laughs> it might have a part B and part C to be honest. Love it. What inspires you most? I think honestly, thinking back to Garrett, he is just like my greatest inspiration. And I feel like there are things that I do, even if it's simple as like running a 10K race, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to do this, but I'm just going to use this as my inspiration. He's, he would do it. And so he's been my greatest inspiration and my greatest reminder of you get one chance. Let's just go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Just propel forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the part C to that would be How do you know, or what is it that you feel when someone has communicated from, whether it's from the gym or from your community, that you have inspired them? Or in what ways do you feel like you have personally inspired other people? Actually, it's been so nice. I will get messages from people, whether it's, you know, a DM on Instagram or an email or a text. And I always really admire that. I've always admired that, especially with women to compliment one another Mm. or just say something kind about one another. And I will have that where a girl will send me a message and just say, you know, you either really inspired me to do this or I find you so inspiring. And that is just like the greatest compliment ever that I don't think I valued it as much as I have in the last year, year or two. It's just the greatest compliment I could ever, ever receive. And it fills my cup so much and fills me with so much joy. And I just have so much respect for someone that takes the three minutes to send a message like that. I mm-hmm. I love it so much. I love that you value that so deeply. I agree too that it's something, it's such a simple gesture, mm-hmm. but when it's heart driven and it's so heartfelt, man, it feels good. Oh, it totally does. Yeah. Uh, if you had a message for everyone listening, what would it be? It would probably honestly be similar to my brand tagline of live your best life and live with joy. It's Mm. so easy to turn to fear or turn to negativity, but it feels so much better when you live with joy and you will never feel bad about choosing happy or choosing to lean in with joy. So that would be my message live your best life and live with joy. Beautiful. Uh, Where can people find you on socials? Well, I just recently launched my website and a blog. So you can find me at inspireandmove.ca and on Instagram at inspireandmove. And if you want to check out the gym, we are at Benchmark Burlington on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This is just such a wonderful time. I'm ready to do it all over. Again. I know. It, it's funny. Eh? It's it's really enjoyable. I love real connection. 
Me too. And I think it's something over these last couple of months that I really valued more is having such good, real conversations. Like, sure, you can talk about the weather, you can talk about what your summer plans are, but having the opportunity to dive into just like real, good, juicy, real life conversations just fills my soul with so much light. Mm -hmm. It's so nice. So thank you so much for this opportunity and these conversations. And I'm so grateful. Oh, me too. Thank you. Ali, thank you so much for joining me on the safe haven, sharing your stories and messages with this community. It means a lot and I wish you nothing but success in the future. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with this platform and I am committed to creating a safe, brave, and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to your friends, and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us so that we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, I can't even think of a better Christmas present. Thank you. It would honestly mean the world. On that note, there will be no release for December 28th. Enjoy yourselves, reflect, reset, and spend it with as many people as safely as possible, surrounding yourself with love, joy, and the best comforts possible. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much for another successful year with The Safe Haven. And I will be back on January 4th. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. I hope that your holidays are everything that you need them to be. I'll talk to you in the new year.